Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is May 12th. The strike was called by the TUC for one minute to midnight on May 3rd, 1926. For the previous two days, some one million coal miners had been locked out of their mines after a dispute with the owners who wanted them to work longer hours for less money. In solidarity, huge numbers from other industries stayed off work, including bus, rail, and dock workers, as well as people with printing, gas, electricity, building, iron, steel, and chemical jobs. The aim was to force the government to act to prevent mine owners reducing miners' wages by 13% increasing their shifts from 7 to 8 hours. The industrial action came against a backdrop of tough economic times following the First World War and a growing fear of communism. On the first full day of action on May 4th, there were estimated to be 1.5 and 1.75 million people out on strike. The transportation network was crippled without its bus and train drivers, and roads became choked with cars. The printing presses ground to a virtual halt, and food deliveries were held up. However, the armed forces were quickly moved to escort and protect food lorries while volunteers got some buses back on the roads and trains on the rails. Fights broke out between police and strikers in cities across the UK from London to Glasgow. In some places, police charged rioting strikers with batons, while in Northumberland, the Flying Scotsman train was derailed by strikers. The government reacted aggressively, recruiting thousands of special policemen and sending warship to Newcastle. Stanley Baldwin, the Prime Minister at the time, appealed to the people to trust him in the first series of personal radio broadcasts to the nation during the strike. I am a man of peace. I am longing and looking and praying for peace, but I will not surrender the safety and security of the British Constitution. Cannot you trust me to ensure a square deal and ensure even justice between man and man? At the same time, the Conservative government was trying to exert greater control over the media, including the fledgling BBC, to get its message out. It even briefly turned publisher, producing its own newspaper, the British Gazette, edited by the then-Chancellor Winston Churchill. The Roman Catholic Church also spoke out, declaring the strike a sin. Meanwhile, a growing number of Britons were becoming volunteers, desperate to get get the country back on its feet. And nine days after began, the TUC, which had been holding secret talks with the mine owners, was called off, called off the strike without a single concession made to the miners' case. The strikers were taken by surprise, but drifted back to work. The miners through struggled on alone, and by the end of November, most were back down in the mines, working for less pay and longer hours. Others remained unemployed for many years. A year later, Mr. Baldwin's government passed the 1927 Trades Disputes Act, which banned sympathy strikes and mass picketing. The act was repealed in 1946, but in the 1980s, then-Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher reintroduced the ban, which still applies today. In 1937, George VI became king unexpectedly following the abdication of his brother, King Edward VIII, in December of 1936. A conscientious and dedicated man, he worked hard to adapt to the role into which he was suddenly thrown. Reserved by nature and of deep religious belief, he was helped in his work by his wife. He had married Lady Elizabeth Bowes Lyon in 1923. King George VI paid state visits to France in 1938 and to Canada in the United States in 1939, the first British monarch to enter the United States. 
His greatest achievements came during the Second World War when he remained for most of the time at Buckingham Palace. The palace was bombed nine times during the war. He and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, visited severely bombed areas in the east end of London and elsewhere in the country, gained him great popularity. The king developed a close working relationship with his wartime Prime Minister Winston Churchill as most of Europe fell to Nazi Germany. Recognizing the total nature of modern warfare, in 1940 the king instituted the George Cross and George Medal to be rewarded for acts of bravery by citizens. In 1942, the George Cross was awarded to the island and people of Malta in recognition of the heroism with which they had resisted the enemy siege. Having served in the Navy during the First World War, including fighting at the Battle of Jutland, the King was anxious to visit his troops whenever possible. He went to France in 1939 to inspect the British Expeditionary Force and to North Africa in 1943 after the victory at Alamein. In June 1944, the King visited his army on the Normandy beaches 10 days after D-Day, and later that year he visited troops in Italy and the Low Countries. On VE Day, May 8, 1945, Buckingham Palace was the focal point of the celebrations. The war had immeasurably strengthened the link between the king and his people. In 1947, the king undertook a major tour of South Africa, accompanied by the queen and their daughters, Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret, the first time a monarch had undertaken a tour with his family. When an Indian Pakistan became independent in 1947, George ceased to be Emperor of India. Changes in the Commonwealth meant that its tie was no longer based on common allegiance to the crown, but upon recognition of the sovereign as head as the Commonwealth. These changes in the Commonwealth relationship and the social reforms of post-war labor government occurred against the background of Britain's weak post-war economic position in the beginning of the Cold War, which meant the privatization of war, privations of war were extended well into the post-war period. By 1948, it seemed that Britain had overcome the worst hardships of the post-war years, but the strain of the Second World War and the tensions of the post-war period had taken their toll on the king's health. The king failed to recover from a lung operation and died in his sleep on the February 6, 1952, at Sangraham. He was age 56. After lying in state at Westminster Hall, the king's funeral was held at St. George Chapel, Windsor, where he lies buried. After the king's funeral, attached to the government's wreath was a card on which Churchill had written the phrase inscribed on the Victoria Cross, For Valor. The Sichuan earthquake of 2008 was massive and enormously devastating earthquake that occurred in the mountainous central region of Sichuan province in the southwestern China on May 12th. The epicenter of the magnitude 7.9 quake, measured as a magnitude 8 by the Chinese, was located by by a city near the provincial capital at a depth of 11.8 miles below the surface. The quake was caused by the collision of the Indian, Australian, and Eurasian plates along the 155-mile-long Longmenshan Fault, a thrust fault in which the stresses produced the northward-moving Indian-Australian plate shifted the portion of the plateau of Tibet eastward. Compressional forces brought on by the shift sheared it the ground in two locations along the fault, thrusting the ground upward approximately 29 feet in some places. Numerous aftershocks occurred in the days, months, and years that followed, including a magnitude 5 event that struck Chengdu in May of 2010. The Longmenshan Fault runs southwest to northeast along the eastern side of the Longmen Mountains and separates the plateau of Tibet from the flat Sichuan Basin. The May 2008 quake flattened some four-fifths of the structures in the affected area. Whole villages and towns in the mountains were destroyed and many schools collapsed. Almost 90,000 people were counted as dead or missing and presumed dead in the final official Chinese government assessment. 
The officially reported total killed include more than 5,300 children, the bulk of them students attending classes. In addition, nearly 375,000 people were injured by falling debris and building collapses. Hundreds of dams, including two major ones, were found to have sustained damage. Some 200 relief workers reported to have died in mudslides in the affected area, where damming of rivers and lakes by rocks, mud, and earthquake debris made flooding a major threat until workers could open channels to drain the impounded water. China's government quickly deployed 130,000 soldiers and other relief workers to the stricken area, but the damage from the earthquakes made many remote villages very difficult to reach, and the lack of modern rescue equipment caused delays that may have contributed to the number of deaths. After a few days, China asked for outside help. One week after the trembler, China declared three days of official mourning for the earthquake victims. Millions of people were made homeless by the quake, the cost of which was estimated at $86 billion. Repair and rebuilding of houses and infrastructure in the affected areas was soon underway, though progress was slow in the remoter, remote locations. Strong earthquakes again shook the region in August and September of 2008, though they caused considerably less damage, destruction, and loss of life. Several issues emerged in the aftermath of this disaster. One concerned a debate in the scientific community as to whether the large weight of water impounded by a reservoir situated near the epicenter of the quake could have helped trigger the trembler. Also, there was much discussion regarding allegations that shoddy construction was to blame for the catastrophic collapse of so many school buildings in the affected areas. Many questioned the official death toll given for children, stating that it was too low. A magnitude 6.6 .6 earthquake struck the region nearly five years later on April 20th of 2013. The epicenter of that quake was also located on the Longmanshan Fault, about 53 miles south southwest of the epicenter of the 2008 event in more than 200 people died and at least 13,000 were injured from falling debris and structural collapses, collapses caused by this quake. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com General Strike Ends in the UK at BBC.com King George VI at royal.uk. In China, earthquake magnitude 7.8 at Britannica.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.